Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. This is Recode Media, Peter Kafka, that is me. I am in the studio at 85 Broad Street for the first time in a long time. I'm delighted to have not one but two guests here in person with me. Like Frank from Slate, Melissa Wilkinson, my coworker from Vox, which means it's time to talk about the Oscars, which means the Oscars are happening days from when you listen to this podcast, mm-hmm. in case you weren't paying attention. <laughs> I've got my experts here to talk about the Oscars and the state of movies in general, because we like to have that conversation. Welcome, guys. Thank you it's for good, having us. Hi. Good to be here. I literally... In the room. Our little tradition. Mm-hmm. I think I am literally have little chills on my arms. <laughs> <laughs> it's very exciting. air conditioning. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about the movies that are up for awards this year and and who's going to the movies and what all that means. Um, as always, I ask you guys for advice about what I should be watching in advance of the Oscars. <laughs> I'd seen a few of them, a few of the Oscar-nominated movies this year, um, in part because they were easy to watch and in part because you could see movies in theaters Yeah. this year. Yep. Some people did. They were almost all Marvel movies for mm-hmm. the most part, <laughs> but you could see indie movies. I saw Licorice Pizza. Cool. At the Alamo, that was very good exciting. theater movie. Um, but I watched Power of the Dog mm-hmm. last night because that seems to be the front runner for Best Picture. Definitely one of them. Uh, oh, and that's Alyssa speaking, by yes. the way. <laughs> Hello. Um, and I enjoyed it. I'm not sure that I would have watched it without some prodding. I knew that it was a, a an Oscar favorite. It's been on Netflix for months. Mm-hmm. It strikes me as an odd movie to be the the favorite. Is that because it's on Netflix and so lots of people have seen it and that's why it's the favorite in a, in a year like this when most people aren't seeing a lot of movies? I think that certainly helps. Yes. But it does also have a pretty impressive pedigree behind yes, it. Yes, yeah. very much. Jane Campion is probably the most celebrated female director alive. and mm. She hasn't made movies in a while, so remind us of what she's made in the past. The Piano. I remember that <laughs> the one. Piano. She was nominated a long for time the ago. Piano. Um, Top of the Lake is the TV show mm-hmm. that she was making. Um, Did she do An Angel at My Table? Yes, An Angel at My Table. Thank you very much. Yes, she's, <laughs> she's one of the, she's the only woman who's been nominated twice for Best Director at the Oscars. She's been celebrated at Cannes and at Venice, and she's just you know, she's from New Zealand. She's just one of the most important directors. So I think that had something to do with it. The cast is really good in this movie. Yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm-hmm. In a kind of, you know, he's not playing either a, a historical guy or... Marvel character. Or like a dragon or a Marvel character. <laughs> a dragon. Um, <laughs> or, you know, some kind of a mythical creature. And uh, and also Kirsten Dunst and also Genesee Plemons, also Cody Smith. It's got a cool cast and, and I've been thinking about it a bunch yep. since I saw it, which is what people had said. They'd also said, you know, it's got this weird ambiguous ending, but it's not ambiguous. It's not ambiguous. I thought it was it's, pretty clear. Yeah. yeah. yeah so I don't know what to... people are confused about there without spoiling it. I can tell you what it is, which is that the movie's on Netflix and your tendency when you watch a movie at home is to look at your phone and this is a movie with all kind of everything's on the screen so if you're not watching it with your eyes you may literally miss and in the end they literally say oh by the way it was this yes 
They, right? they sure do. Um, <laughs> yeah. So even if you're not looking, they yes. will say it out loud. But yeah, if you missed, if you missed the. Uh, and the other thing I knew about image. it going in was it had. It either was about gay cowboys or that actor Sam Elliott thought that it was about gay cowboys. <laughs> yes, Sam Elliott definitely Streisanded it into some uh, <laughs> some recognition. Yeah, so you know. Do we reach any grand conclusions about I – mean, we don't know what who's going to win. But when a movie like this is an Oscar frontrunner, do we celebrate the fact that this is through Netflix, the streaming service, that made people decry their effect on Hollywood and say, look, they are bringing this movie to a really large audience mm-hmm. – um, many of whom are Oscar voters. This is justifiable. This is a good thing. We should stop complaining about it. Or do we say, you know, this still is a weird aberrant year. It's still a pandemic year where we're locked in our houses for the most part. And it doesn't really reflect sort of where we're at in movie going. I mean, I think Netflix is a fairly particular case in that they have been making these strides toward being a legitimate competitor even back since, you know, the Irish For the Oscars. For the Oscars. Roma, even before that. Roma, right before Mm -hmm. that. Yes, no, Netflix is a class above in streaming, but now they're making that play. They they bought the Paris Theater in New York, right? Yes. For not expressly the purpose of showing their movies, basically. (laughs) And the Egyptian in in L.A. In L.A., yeah. yeah. So they're definitely making an effort to really be seen as, you know, we are an over the top, like mm-hmm. we're on your TV as we have so much content, original content, but that doesn't just include TV. It's also movies and these movies are legitimate and look, we will air them in a theater, but also they are accessible to everyone on your television. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge with the kind of movie that The Power of the Dog is. Because in, in, in a pre-Netflix, pre-streaming world, yes. this is a, what we would call an art house yes. movie. People yeah. would maybe go give it respectful reviews. Yep. And by the way, that's the other thing that's confusing to me about this movie is I haven't heard anyone rave about it. Any, no one that I know, and frankly, even people that I read on Twitter, no one's saying, oh, this was an exciting movie. You must go see it. They all say it's very good and it's beautiful and Jane Campion is great and all the things you guys said. And no one says, I loved it. Yeah, there was some of that coming out of its festival premieres, but that was so long ago now that, you know, what is it, seven months later, I think some of the buzz dies off. I mean, there's almost no movie where people are saying that that's nominated for an Oscar right now. Although, I mean, Drive My Car, I think, perhaps (laughs) (laughs) being a more recent one. Yes. But I agree. Yeah. I think I think sometimes, though, the Oscars is less about like this is the movie the most people raved about and more the most the movie that the most people can speak respected. Allegra (laughs) has has given us a beautiful segue here. So so what what is the point of the Oscars? They have diminished <laughs> atten- they have diminished viewership year after year. Last year they fell like 50% down to 10 million people. It could keep falling. There's a consistent complaint that these they're not bringing in movies that lots of people like, that there's not a Spider-Man. Dune is a big movie, I guess. Is Dune up for Best Dune Picture? Dune is year? up for Best Picture. Don't Look Up was a huge hit. But on Netflix, um, yeah. But but they yeah. but they, they don't ref, they don't seem to reflect the th- movies that people go to see the most. That is not a new complaint. So at this point, given that a lot of these movies people haven't seen or they've seen at home, there is decreasing interest from the viewing public. What is the point of the Oscars, Alyssa? Thank you for throwing that to her first. (laughs) Well, you know, it's always funny to me that that's the complaint because the Oscars... I don't know it's a complaint. I'm just saying it's a a thing that has diminished interest, right? Yes, yeah. And I think that, you know, to put it all in perspective, 
The Oscars are the Academy Awards. So it's a professional organization giving awards to the stuff that it feels best represents its own industry in a given year. And in this case, it's Hollywood. So everyone in the Academy works in Hollywood or works around Hollywood now that it's internationalizing a bit. There are no critics in the Academy. I always feel is important to underline. It's working people. Yes, it's working people or people who were working in the industry. And so they're picking the thing that they feel best represents them from that year, um, which is something that all professional organizations actually do. But the Oscars are the one that people talk about because they're on TV. And because they're on TV, um, the general viewer, and probably not wrongly, feels like it ought to um, reflect their interests. And at one point it did more. Sometimes. I mean, I feel like that might be a golden age that we're remembering a little differently in retrospect. Um, If you go back and look at Oscars over the 94 years, like a lot of these movies, they didn't always pick the most popular movie and they didn't even pick the most acclaimed movie. But a lot of times it it reflected something that was going on. I I remember when when uh, what's the terrible uh, run forest run movie? Forrest, Forrest Gump. Gump, thank you, <laughs> one. I'm like, it's a terrible movie, but lots of people liked yes. it, and it was the kind of thing that you expected the Oscars to mm-hmm. say, oh, we, we, it's a generally acceptable movie. It wasn't nearly as interesting as Pulp Fiction, but fine. Yeah. And fine. in this, you know, we're talking about a time now where there's very little cultural consensus over anything like that, mm-hmm. and so we should expect that. There are more movies, um, but I think the thing that the Oscars do best um, is give people – Uh, a curated collection of films that they feel like people who want to watch good movies, they look at the Oscar nominees and say, oh, these are the international movies I should watch. These are like, I I haven't seen Licorice Pizza, but maybe I should. Or a movie like Coda actually winds up with kind of an interest bump or Drive My Car ends up with an interest bump because it got an Oscar nomination. And so I think if if I'm talking as a critic, I think that's the point of the Oscars at this point. Is to promote is good to stuff to a public that cares about recognize it. things that are really good for people whose maybe their local movie theater is only going to play Marvel movies all year long and they know there are other movies they want to watch but they don't have time and they don't you know critics or whatever so you look at what the academy nominates and you say well those look like that looks like a good list of movies for me to watch and are you okay with that if the number of people who watch the awards continues to decrease and eventually maybe one year we don't have an oscars podcast on this show and because there's less and less people interested in it and it would make more sense for us to do a young sheldon show because it gets more (laughs) audience um we're not going to do a young sheldon show maybe we should do a young sheldon show but are you okay with that if if it if this becomes something that is there's less spectacle there's less interest year after year, and it just be, it it just becomes something like the Pulitzer Prizes, which are important for journalists, and it's nice to say you have one, and it indicates that you're an important person or you did good work. Doesn't really affect what you do day to day and how the public consumes your information. Yeah, I mean, I think as critics and consumers, the point that Alyssa just made of it presents a list of acclaimed works across the industry across the medium that people, all people should check out. I mean, ideally that I think will always be important and that does not necessitate the televised ceremony. So the Pulitzer is like a great example, right? I've never watched a Pulitzer ceremony, but I will check out the books that were nominated Mm -hmm. or won. Yep. Um, You know, some organizing body telling us these are significant. I think just knowing that information is 
more important than the actual spectacle. Like when we do watch the ceremonies, half the time we're like, this is too long. Mm-hmm. This is exhausting. This is boring. It's corny. Or it's, it's corny. You know, they spend the entire ceremony trying to convince you that movies are important. And you're right. like, if I didn't think movies were important, I wouldn't be watching the Oscars. So, exactly. Yes. Especially last year, there were all these finger wagging speeches. Um, so, but, but the Motion Picture Academy, which puts on the, the awards, which puts on the Oscars, does seem to care about getting bigger audiences. They're periodically tweaking their categories to accommodate more movies. That's why there's, I guess, up to 10 nominees. Um, They experimented with the idea of having like popular movie Oscar, which everyone then said, no, we don't want that. (laughs) Terrible idea. But the idea was to get Marvel movies or whatever in there. This year, there's some sort of like fan favorite Twitter poll. Does anyone, can can someone explain how that's going to work? Yeah. Well, my understanding is, my understanding is that Disney, which is the company that owns ABC, which is the network that airs the Oscars, they have a contract with the Academy, and this is how the Academy makes their money. Um, they don't understand the internet. And this was the <laughs> first way that that was obvious, in which they said, we'll just let people vote for their favorite fan favorite movie using like a hashtag on Twitter. Now, if you know literally anything about the internet, you immediately know <laughs> that it will just be fan armies that come in and pump up like some movie. And I think- Or Russian bots or both. Or Russian or bots. Or, yeah. There's a million ways to game that system. And they said, we're going to announce the winner during the ceremony. You know, forgetting that most people aren't going to watch live to find out who the winner is. They're just going to wait till it Don't we want to give them any credit for saying, look, you guys are getting on us to incorporate the internet and that's where all the conversation happens and we're trying to do it and now you're, you're getting out, you're jumping down our throats for that. No, I think it's a total misunderstanding of how how actual discourse about movies works rather than um, sort of fan community discourse, which is a different thing. Um, and if they're trying to harness the power of the fan community, that's interesting. But the movies that they're going to wind up picking are going to be hilarious. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. I remember the last time I checked the poll, just out of curiosity, like Army of the Dead, which yes. is a Zack Snyder movie. Yeah, that was winning. And then a Johnny Depp movie I had never heard of. Uh-huh. And Cinderella. And Cinderella. So just like a random assortment. So it would make more sense. Like, OK, I can see a Spider-Man winning. You sure. know, They're, at least we're honoring a hugely successful movie that wasn't honored in any other way. But Army of the Dead and Cinderella. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know Cinderella Uh huh. The Camilla Cabello one on yep. Amazon, I think. Unaware. Yeah, it's yeah. so I mean, you know, for instance, if you were doing it the way that America's Song Contest, which is like the American Eurovision thing that's premiering or um, I remember American, American Idol, Idol, you could call in and text message. Calling your... in is actually not a terrible way to do uh-huh. it. Right. It's harder to game that system. We'll be right back after a word from these sponsors. Support for this show comes from Fiverr, the world's largest marketplace for freelance services. In the fast-paced world of business, every decision counts. And when it comes to hiring, there's no room for guesswork. That's why Fiverr has developed solutions for businesses to make outsourcing projects simple, quick, and compliant. You can gain access to curated talent through Fiverr Pro's catalog of top freelancers, organized by skill and experience. Streamline your projects with a user-friendly dashboard, where you can track progress and collaborate with your team. And for anyone needing the highest level of white glove service, Fiverr Pro's project partners can manage multiple freelancer engagements for you. Project partners will outline requirements, assemble a roster of freelancers, and manage a schedule to ensure your deliverables are completed on time. Ready to scale smarter? Visit pro.fiverr.com to sign up 
and use code VOX for 15% off any service. That's pro.fiverr.com and use code VOX. And we're back. So last year was a COVID uh, presentation. Steven Soderbergh, who I'm just assuming all of us in the room love because we all like movies, and uh, produced it. Uh, I was very excited about it. I did not enjoy it at all. I, I think Alyssa feels I differently. I loved it. Okay. You lo- I loved it. I did love the hilarious twist ending, uh-huh. if you remember. No, I don't. I definitely so, tuned out. So usually they announce Best Picture last uh- Remember, and so last year was the year that Chadwick Boseman had passed, and he was nominated for Best Actor for um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Mm-hmm. And they were, I guess, they were hoping and expecting that he would win. He was the favorite. People really loved him in that movie, so they moved Best Actor to be the final category of the night, and he did not win. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins did. zooming Anthony, in. No, nope, he didn't even zoom asleep. in. He was asleep. Because he's an old man. It's the middle of the night. Yeah. In, uh, right. So it was just like, and we're done. Thanks, guys. And it was a hilarious. I have a whole <laughs> theory ending. about why this was so great, which has to do with Soderbergh's penchant for making movies about how capitalism rules every app. You think he intentionally tried to, to submarine the uh, the awards? No, no. I don't think it was submarine. This was, was my favorite thing. I loved seeing people get, you know, upset about something yeah. that was just genuinely non-consequential. I, I, mean, g- I gave them credit for trying to put it on during, again, this is, you know, really, there was no travel and all kinds of restrictions. And they said, we can't get an auditorium full of people. We'll do like a little club setting. I appreciated that. Um, I just thought, really, they're going to keep talking about the movies and not showing them? That seemed insane. And after a while, I, I tuned out. And I guess we could have a whole other podcast where we debate the merits of it. But what what are we expecting this year? I, I What's the innovation? Are we going back to where we were before? So there hasn't been a host for several years in a mm-hmm. row after the um, the debacle a few years ago with Kevin Hart. This uh, That was – Kevin Hart was going to be the host and then they went through his tweets and said, no, you Well, then be. he wouldn't apologize and right. basically yeah, they torpedoed himself out. So they, um, they haven't had a host for a few years. Now they're going to have three hosts, but they keep announcing presenters. In fact, I'm looking right now at new presenters who have just been announced who include, in order, Stephanie Beatrice, DJ Khaled, <laughs> Jennifer Garner, her, Tiffany Haddish, Tony Hawk, Bill Murray, okay. Elliot Page – Kelly Slater and Sean White. Oh, my God. Getting that Olympics. uh, Yeah. So, I mean, that's what you're going to see. They're just putting everybody that they can on the stage to try and get the kids to watch it. Kids love Bill Murray. Kids don't watch live TV. Mm -hmm. We just need to... And the okay. hosts that they chose are, it's a random assortment. Super random. Of three women. Three women day. who we love individually, but uh-huh. I don't understand what to expect from a trio of Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes, and Regina King. Nope. No idea. <laughs> Is it Regina King or Regina Hall? I think it's Regina <laughs> it's Hall. It's Regina. I love Regina King. I love Regina Hall. I'd be it's happy Regina with either Hall of them. Because last year's ceremony opened with Regina King doing that Walking. iconic yeah. rock. Right. That was, that was yeah. my highlight. Bring her back. Sure. The Oscars this year are stripping out a bunch of things. Does it matter? A lot of people get whipped up on Twitter about it, but that's easy to get whipped up on Twitter. I mean, if we consider the Oscars as a celebration of film as a medium, I think it's important for us as film goers and viewers and lovers to recognize that there are myriad 
working parts, including craft. And I think, you know, I think that a lot of people actually do appreciate those aspects of movies more than we think. Like when we talk about Christopher Nolan movies, we all talk about like the womp, like the mm-hmm. big sounds mm-hmm. attached, sound being one of the categories they're trying to skip. Uh, costumes, obviously huge, like, you know, the movie Cruella, which is nominated for costume design. I don't remember anything about that movie except the, the costumes. amazing costumes. Yep. Yeah. yeah and, so that one theaters too. <laughs> but oh, yeah. we just started off by saying, you know, these are, it's, it's, it's a list. The fact that it's a TV show is secondary. Right. Can we give the Oscars some credit for saying, look, you guys want to see people you've heard, know or heard of and things you've heard of. And maybe you've heard of Hans Zimmer, but probably not. So we're just going to have Hans get his award offstage. No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's kind of I feel like suggesting that we can cut them out of the ceremony that obviously the Academy is still trying to pump up as important deprioritizes the importance of them overall. Yes. I also think that it is misguided to think that taking those eight categories out of the ceremony will somehow make people want to watch (laughs) it more. Like I don't, people aren't watching to the end of the ceremony, not because they had to watch costume design, but because it's boring. Right. Um, or it's or it's corny or something. Um, personally, I, I think trying to save this as a three-hour telecast is a fool's game. And we need to recognize we live in a streaming world. We live in a world where people watch clips of everything the next day. Like, who watches SNL Live? Like, me and 10 other people. Um, uh, just us. Yeah, just us. <laughs> um, but there are other ways and interesting things that you could do with the Oscars if you really want to have the ceremony, have some people watch it live, and also find ways to get it in front of other people um, after the fact in the world we live in. And uh, network TV broadcast is not the way to do that. Right. So we spent a bunch of time talking about TV and ratings, very little about the movies. Power of the Dog, which is the Netflix movie, seems like it's most likely to win. That's a big deal for Netflix. They've been trying to get that. Um, the other movies, it's a mix of, of traditional studios, streamers, a couple big budget things from people we've heard of, like Steven Spielberg, some very small movies that you normally would never see. One of them is a three-hour Japanese language movie that's, I guess, mostly silent. Uh, um, just quiet. Quiet. <laughs> so that's Drive My Car. Yes. Yeah. Which Alyssa was talking about. Yes. Um, so I'll ask you the same question I asked this weekend. If I'm if I'm going to see a handful of these movies, what, what are you guys most passionate about from the list that's nominated? Well, Power of the Dog feels like a, a gimme. By the way, the, the New York Times review I went back and read yesterday, you know how they sometimes say there's smoking in it or something? Or, yeah. yeah. This was uh, cattle castration. <laughs> Which, by the way, is a pretty good heads up. I, yeah. yeah, that's, that's a, definitely a look away scene. I, I would rather know that that's coming than smoking. Yeah. Yes. One of those has a, more of an impact on me. Yes. Um, Power of the Dog, for sure. Alyssa and I, I think we both loved Drive My Car. Yes. Now, that is a three-hour film, which I know is... Three-hour foreign language film. It's in Japanese, but also it's in other languages mm-hmm. as well. Chinese, Korean, some English. There's you can some stream sign it language. on what's Apple TV or is it HBO? HBO Max. HBO Max. So a lot of you have access to it. Why convince me or someone else who's skeptical about spending three hours with a foreign language film? Well, it's like any other film. It's just you have to read the words in English. Uh-huh. And um, it is based on three short stories by Haruki Murakami, who writes these incredible stories. They're all from his collection, Men Without Women. They're kind of these incredible stories of like longing and loss and 
And also, this movie has a great, like, I'm not going to give it away, but it has an incredible twist at the 40-minute mark, Mm -hmm. um, which just gives me shivers every time I think about it. Um, But really, I think it's a very accessible movie. Like, I think it moves at the pace of life, and you're basically, for most of it, watching some people kind of deal with really difficult emotions, but in the context of putting on a play, which is Uncle Vanya. Right. Yeah. And yes, I mean, the pace of life, I think that's a great, great turn of phrase. Make her write sometimes. She's a writer. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think even though indeed it's like not a it's called Drive My Car, but it's not like a racing movie. You know, it's it's not at all a a car driving movie, but it is very focused on relationships that are natural and evolving in these really beautiful ways. And it's quite relatable and moving. And it's I I found it to never be boring. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. there are things happening. And even though it's not like bombastically exciting the realism of it and the literary quality of it it's like reading a really great short story which is where it's drawn from exactly you guys mentioned the idea that we're watching these at home i love the idea of sitting in a theater and being forced to watch it and have your phone down that seems like an extra hard sell again for a three-hour foreign language movie and at some point i might just get up and do something else are we well past the debate about whether these things should stream at home first or you should see them in theaters or we're just it, – it's a streaming world now and that is going to be the dominant way that most people watch most non-Marvel, non-superhero movies? Yeah. I mean I think as a film lover, I still always vastly prefer watching it in theaters. But I think it's really important to have accessibility yeah. for people in places where they hardly show movies other than the big budget ones. For older people where it's just maybe not convenient or recommended for them to go out to theaters. Parents of young children. Parents of young children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just it's a more convenient experience. And I hope that streaming does not subsume the movie business entirely and that theaters can remain an option, of course. But I think it's really important to allow more people to watch more movies and be able to have more conversations about them. So it's not bad, right? I guess the question is, is this just foregone that this is this is what movie movie going is going to be a word we don't use anymore. It's movie watching. And there's a few movies that you will watch in a theater, either because you live in a city like New York where you could see Drive My Car maybe in a theater. Um, and then everyone else goes to see Marvel and Batman. Um, and everything else just comes to your home. Well, well, I feel like it is, but Alyssa. I feel like it is. But I also think we have to recognize that it is actually the movie studios that are causing this, that um, Disney in particular, but not only Disney has created a world in which lots of movie theaters can only afford to show their movies. And Explain why. it's a long story. And some of it is just starting to kind of crash upon us this summer. But there have been rules um, in the U.S. about how studios can negotiate booking with um, studi- with uh, movie theaters. And uh, some of those rules were struck down by the Trump DOJ two years ago, and uh, they're being sunset this summer. So you literally may unfortunately find that your local megaplex is only showing movies distributed by Disney and 20th Century Studios in the future because they're allowed to negotiate that and say, if you want to show Spider-Man – which actually isn't a great example, is it? But if you want to show Doctor Strange, then you are going to have to agree to show these six other movies. 
We don't even know if they're any good yet because they haven't been made, but you're going to have to. But they're from us. But they're from us. We're blocking out. And Disney owns literally half the industry now. So so that is a situation you might find yourself in. And you can imagine if you own an independent studio or an independent theater in a town where you're the only game in town, you really want to show Doctor Strange because you need to make your money. But you also want to show Drive My Car and you just won't be able to because you only have a limited number of screens. So the industry is kind of- And that was already happening- those pre- those economic pressures were already happening yeah, prior yes. to, to the DOJ. Yes, move. but Disney in particular has had really restrictive um, rules. They'll say you have to have this up for four weeks or something like that, which just eliminates you know a certain amount of revenue that could be brought in by another movie. And so people are really struggling. Also, a, lo- a lot of movie theater chains have really unpleasant movie-going experiences, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they really don't seem interested in doing anything to fix that. So they're a part of the problem as well. It's also, by the way, I've... Got turned on to this a little bit by uh, Richard Rushfield from The Ankler, um, but also my 11-year-old son. It's really easy still to pirate movies. Yes. Super um, easy. And it doesn't get anywhere near the attention, I think, for a bunch of reasons. But you know, even if you're not subscribing to these services, mm-hmm. um, it's easy to get them at home. At, yeah. And I did just to see if I could do it, watch the James Bond movie mm-hmm. on my laptop. Yep. Crystal clear. I don't think I got infected with any viruses. Yeah. <laughs> And honestly, I was glad I did because it was a boring ass James Bond movie, and I'm glad I didn't spend any money yeah, sitting in the theater. Yeah, it's through. marginally better in IMAX, I'll say. But yes, I agree. So, I mean, I think I think for the reasons that Allegra cited, it's really good that people are getting access to these movies um, who wouldn't be able to get them otherwise, and maybe that means we have better conversations about them. But it's also sad to me that the industry doesn't really want to fix itself. Yeah. Back to the list of, of nominees. Anything else you guys want to call out that you are passionate about people seeing that maybe isn't on the radar? It doesn't actually I don't care. You don't 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 debate whether it's on the radar. What do you what are you passionate about a lot? <laughs> <laughs> um another movie I really enjoyed. Well I know you saw it, Licorice Pizza. Yes. So I'm very curious your thoughts on that one, Peter. Bless. But I always compliment movies by saying if it I would read it if it were a book too, mm. because I see books as like the ultimate as a person who writes and loves words. So that was like, I would read this book. Mm-hmm. I If it were 500 pages, I'd eat that up. <laughs> I loved the energy of it. I loved the humor. I loved the look. I loved Alana Haim as a Haim fan, but she was amazing. Cooper Hoffman, everything about it. I just was like eating it up and could sit in it forever. And it, it felt long, but in a pleasant way of like, I don't know if this is about to end or if there's another hour, mm-hmm. but either way, I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I'm not sure if it's streaming yet, though. I think I you can rent it. Or I think you can rent it for a few bucks. Yeah, you had to see it. Th- and again, it was a good movie to see. Yeah. In a th- I saw yes. saw it twice. Wow. Um, it ran a long, long time in New York's theaters. Yeah. It was the longest running new release. And oh, wow. It's, it looked really nice. It's a coming-of-age 70s yeah. story, so it has a great soundtrack. So it's, mm-hmm. again, very nice to be in a nice theater with good speakers and good sound. It's a hangout movie. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of plot. Um, there's, it seems like it's going to be like a Paul Thomas Anderson movie where something bad happens to someone. Spoiler, it doesn't. <laughs> um, and I was up for that. I was yep. up for not having to worry about what happened to so-and-so because it seemed like it was probably going to work out or they were going to muddle through it. And then set a little bit before I have memories, but it still evoked some waterbed and shagginess and mm-hmm. adults kind of absconding their responsibility behavior that I, I remember from growing up. So uh, I enjoyed all that. Yeah, he always has a good a good soundtrack too. He's good, he's good at that. I 
I really love this film, Flea, that is also not in English, spoiler, but um, it is the first film to be nominated in these three categories at once, international feature, documentary feature, and animated feature. Um, so it is an animated documentary that the director made um, with his friend who um, came to Denmark as an Afghan refugee when he was a teenager. So it's Flea with two E's. Flea with two E's. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, Neon distributed it. It's pretty easy to find. And you you sort of hear the story of his life, um, his very difficult life trying to flee um, <laughs> from Afghanistan through Russia, kind of all this stuff. But then it's also about more than that um, and trying to find home. And um, so they interviewed and then someone animated it. And it's really marvelous. I, I love it very much. And so that is in the foreign film category? Foreign, which is now called international, mm -hmm. documentary, and animated. So one thing that seems like it has been happening the last few years is that movies made in other countries and by non-white people are showing up in the main Oscar categories. That's not an accident. Right? No. Parasite was the, the big breakthrough a couple years yeah. ago. Drive My Car. Is anything else in that group from this year? Um, not Well, The Worst Person in the World is in several categories and including a screenplay category, which is mm -hmm. pretty rare. Um, yeah, it's only it's been which happening. It's Norwegian. It's Norwegian. saw that as well. Um, it's been happening a little little bit more and um, I've written about this for Vox several times but the one of the main reasons is that in the Academy's attempts to diversify itself it's grown by about double since 2012 um, and all a lot of the new members are international members so in addition to having people who were underrepresented in the Academy which was basically anyone who wasn't a 70 year old white man living in LA um, they've really diversified across the world so that's a reaction to Oscars so white right yes. um, but it's it's not just that we're gonna have people who have different skin tones from the US it's international is that what the people? Do you imagine when the Oscars So White campaign started on Twitter with hashtags that they imagined that was going to be the result, that you'd be seeing Japanese language movies? I don't think nope. exactly. <laughs> yeah, because, of course, and I loved Flea, too, yeah. by the way. Excellent movie. But um, I think that was primarily about the more visible categories of acting in particular. And mm -hmm. we haven't seen much movement in that regard. Um, no. Like, so nope. it's, it's, this so is this – how do we rate that then? Is this – is is do we give the academy credit for diversifying and bringing in new faces and voices or do we give them demerits for not rectifying the, an existing problem i mean i think it sort of cancels out i am definitely you know parasite winning was just such a perfect decision it was excellent seeing movies like worst person in the world get screenplay nominee or nominations and drive my car getting best picture I think those are all very positive. Those are net goods. But then we look at the acting categories and they are predominantly white and almost exclusively white this year. And so it, it does sort of cancel out of like we are exalting and uplifting movies from across the world as we should. But then the people within those movies that are not traditionally white or, you know, younger or older, whatever, the standard demographics, we're still not giving them their due. Yeah. And it all kind of goes back to who whose projects are getting made and who gets cast, because if you don't if those movies don't exist, then they can't get nominated for them. Right. right. And there's still, you know, I, I don't know if I'm if I'm just myopic about this, but I think at the top level of Hollywood is still a lot of people who don't genuinely believe that movies that aren't about white people are for everyone. 
And so we we still see that kind of bias going into who gets money to make movies. The Academy has some level of sort of sway over that, but not, you know, the Academy. Is it, so is it more about the pipeline and what's being made or is it about performances and projects that aren't being recognized? I think it's, I mean, it's sort of both. Yes. <laughs> but I think, I mean, to Alyssa's point, right? Like there are not that many studios anymore that have power. Like there's a yes. very small amount of very powerful studios that can dictate industry trends and movements. And if they are not leading the charge and making these pictures that do recognize that non-white stories are stories universally told and appreciated, then we're not going to see other studios follow suit to the same yes. degree. So my prediction is I am not going to watch all of the Oscars on Sunday. Um, and I think I enjoy these conversations more than watching the telecast. Um, but what are you most excited about, looking forward to, curious about coming up on Sunday? Um, well, I can't wait to see Kelly Slater and Sean White <laughs> and Tony Hawk. Yeah, I'm so, you're an extreme sportsman. so stoked. Yeah, it's my, my X Games. I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see them sort of return to <laughs> a, a previous model in, in a COVID world because we're still in a COVID world. Um, so I'm curious to see how they're going to manage the old and the new formats. Um, I think that will be that'll be a journey. Well, you know, I'm I'm super excited to see Army of the Dead. <laughs> yeah, we can't wait for Army. What are they going to get? What, what is the is that something that like will someone come on stage and win get something? No, I think someone will just come on stage and announce it. Oh my god! So Zack Snyder doesn't get to yeah. Get I, his I Oscar. don't think Zack Snyder is going to be there. It's um, a zombie movie you can watch on Netflix. I believe, yeah, right? zombie movie you can watch on Netflix. I'm I'm super interested in um, and this is just my bias, but in what's going to win documentary. Um, this year's documentaries are really good, all of them. Um, and so I really genuinely don't know what's going to win. I think it'll be Summer of Soul, which is a terrific movie, um, but it could be something else. I, I think that'll be really interesting. That's and, the Questlove produced doc about a uh, concert series in New York with yeah. late 60s, early 70s. Mm -hmm, the same summer as um, uh, Woodstock. 69. Um, but I've seen it like three times, I think, and it's just a blast of a movie. If people haven't seen it, it's so fun. It's so moving. Um, and it's on Hulu. <laughs> So it's accessible. Yeah. Um, I hope we get to do this again next year. Mm -hmm. I'm tapping on uh, Formica or something. <laughs> um, great to be back in the studio with you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. This is Recode Media. Thanks to Travis and Jelani for producing and editing the show and our sponsors for bringing it to you for free and you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>